You're listening to Project Oncology on ReachMD, and this episode is sponsored by GSK. Here's your host, Dr. Charles Turk. Welcome to Project Oncology on ReachMD. I'm Dr. Charles Turk, and joining me to discuss the management of myelofibrosis-related anemia is Dr. John Mascarenas, who's a professor of medicine at the Icon School of Medicine at Mount Sinai, director of the Center of Excellence for Blood Cancers and Myeloid Disorders, and a member of the Tisch Cancer Institute. Dr. Mascarenas, thanks for being here today. Thanks for the invitation. Let's start with some background, Dr. Mascarenas. Can you give us a brief overview of the current treatment options for myelofibrosis-related anemia? Sure. So anemia is very frequent in myelofibrosis. Probably, you know, at least a third to maybe half the patients present with anemia, and at least two thirds to the majority of patients experience significant and symptomatic anemia during the course of their disease. So it's really a, a major clinical burden for patients with myelofibrosis. And essentially, the algorithm, as one could see with the NCCN endorsement, is very similar to how we treat anemia in lower-risk myelodysplastic syndrome patients. So you check an erythropoietin level. If it's below 500 or, in my opinion, below 200, that would provide enough rationale to try a erythropoiesis-stimulating agent to see if you can improve anemia. Drugs that have historically been used to treat anemia and myelofibrosis, like danazol, the synthetic male androgen, or immunomodulatory drugs like thalidomide or lenalidomide can also be used with response rates collectively about 20 to 30% transfusion independence rates. The problem often with any of these drugs, whether they're ESAs or androgens or imids, is often the responses are modest at best and often not that durable or complicated by toxicity, particularly in the case of thalidomide. So although there are some options, the reality is the options aren't great and it still remains a significant unmet need. And the reality also is that with ruxolitib and fedratinib particularly, to approve JAK inhibitors, the anemia typically gets worse. Although those drugs are excellent at addressing spleen and symptom burden, they usually leave anemia as an unmet need or even worsen anemia with treatment-related anemia. So there is a significant need to improve anemia both in the face of JAK and inhibitor treatment, but also outside of that. And as a quick follow-up to that, what is the rationale behind some of those approaches you mentioned? For example, with danazole, I don't know that we fully understand the mechanism that leads to improvement in anemia, again, 20 to 40% of patients. And it's likely thought to be downregulation of FC receptor clearance of, of red cells. With IMIDs, also not quite clear exactly what promotes erythropoiesis or improved anemia. Pomalidomide was the only drug that I'm aware of that was evaluated in a randomized phase three setting specifically aiming at assessing anemia response. And although that was a negative study, there was data from the early phase studies and subset analysis from that phase three study that would suggest that there are certain subsets of patients, particularly JAK2 mutated patients, patients that don't have significant splenomegaly that can have improvement in hemoglobin with pomalidomide used at lower doses than what we use and see in multiple myeloma treatment. So I think the fundamental issue is that the anemia that we see in myelofibrosis is complex and multifactorial. And it may be that for different patients, agents with differing mechanisms of action may be better than other agents. Now, you started to touch on a couple of these before, but are there any other challenges or limitations associated with current treatment options? The JAK inhibitors, uh, particularly ruxolinib, which has been around for over a decade in commercial use and is an excellent drug to address spleen and symptom burden and has data from phase three follow-up studies of a modest survival benefit despite the lack of histopathologic and molecular emissions 
is not a drug that one would expect to see improvement in anemia. In, in fact, you get on-target JAK-1-2 mediated inhibition of erythropoiesis, and you get sort of an expected nadir of the hemoglobin within the first several months of therapy. Usually sits one gram per deciliter below where it started. And if you start to see late onset anemia after six months, 12 months, on a stable dose of ruxolinib, to me, that really begs reevaluation for disease progression rather than treatment-related but at the end of the day, you're not going to see or you shouldn't expect to see transfusion independence for transfusion-dependent patients or clinical improvement in hemoglobin level for those who have anemia and not receiving transfusions. For those just tuning in, you're listening to Project Oncology on ReachMD. I'm Dr. Charles Turk, and I'm speaking with Dr. John Mascarenas about managing myelofibrosis-related anemia. So, Dr. Mascarenas, now that we have a better understanding of these treatment challenges, let's focus on how we can achieve better outcomes. First, what can you tell us about the role of patient-centered care? Well, to me, patient-centered care is probably fundamental to all care in oncology. But in myelofibrosis, it's understanding the patient, specifically the expectations of the patient and the needs of the patient. And those aren't always uniform across patients you may see with myelofibrosis. I think it also includes the patient themselves in decision-making. So it's a shared decision-making approach in terms of what is important to address in patients. For some patients, it's symptomatology and only symptomatology. In other patients, it may be alleviating anemia and being in the transfusion suite or in the ER less time, just being free and not constrained to the cancer center is a huge benefit to certain patients. So addressing anemia in those patients may be paramount. And in other patients, it may be the potential to have disease course modification or even cure with a greater appetite for potential toxicity. So if you don't have that discussion with the patient, and this has been shown in studies, you can have two very different approaches or expectations that don't align. And that may end up with dissatisfaction on the patient and the patient's family's part with a treatment plan. And are there any other clinical or technological advances that can improve the management of myelofibrosis-related anemia? Well, there are a number of drugs that are under clinical evaluation. I think the one that's most furthest along that's interesting is is Luspatercept, which is an active in ligand trap, which is part of the TGF-beta superfamily. And this drug is approved for lower-risk transfusion-dependent myelodysplastic syndrome patients with ring sideroblasts or SF3B1 mutated disease. And in myelofibrosis, there is phase two data demonstrating a 30% transfusion independence rate with loose patercept, which is a subcutaneous injection given every three weeks with a pretty well-tolerated toxicity profile. And this is now being evaluated in a randomized phase three study in patients receiving ruxolitinib. And that's really where the data looked the best from the phase two study and addressing anemia that in the setting of patients who are on ruxolitinib who still have particularly transfusion-dependent anemia in which you can get this response rate uh, and, or even in some patients a decline or reduction in transfusion burden, which again, as we said, can be a, a benefit to patients. So this is an add-on strategy to ruxolitinib that I'm looking forward to seeing the final results of the independent study. Lastly, Dr. Mascarenas, do you have any final thoughts you'd like to leave with our audience today? I just also wanted to add that beyond loose patercept, there's a whole line of drugs that are similarly being evaluated that exploit this pathway that are ALK2 inhibitors. So to keep an eye out on, on those drugs, these are oral drugs that can be added to a JAK inhibitor to synergize with JAK inhibitors to provide that trifecta of spleen symptom and anemia benefit. And I think the, the closing thoughts would be that myelofibrosis is in a 
I think, a transformative period of drug development right now where we're really seeing a lot of combination strategies, both upfront and in salvage, with an eye to extend benefit beyond spleen and symptom, uh, anemia benefit, as we've been discussing, and even the potential for survival benefit with drugs like Metalstat. So it's, a, it's an exciting period to be involved in this field. I'm, I'm hoping it will actually translate to meaningful benefits to patients, whether it's anemia benefits or prolonged duration of benefit of ruxolinib and overall survival. Well, with those final thoughts in mind, I want to thank my guest, Dr. John Mascarenas, for joining me to discuss how we can better manage myelofibrosis-related anemia. Dr. Mascarenas, it was great having you on the program. Thank you. This episode of Project Oncology was sponsored by GSK. To access other episodes in this series, visit ReachMD.com slash Project Oncology, where you can be part of the knowledge. Thanks for listening.